is there's a lot of benefit in uh, in retail order flow. They're all regulated marketplaces. Welcome to the Exchange Feed podcast series. Today's episode is called Get Out of the Dark, shedding some light on and exploring dark pools. This is Tanya Roundtree, Global Head of Client Success at TMX. And joining me in today's discussion are TMX's own Travis Felker, Senior Advisor in our equity trading business, and Andrew Clark, Director of Electronic Trading at BMO. Andrew is an expert in US and Canadian capital markets, and he has excellent knowledge in direct market access electronic trading business. So thank thank you both so much for joining us. Happy to be here. Thank you, happy to be here. I think um, it's a bit of an understatement to say that there are some misconceptions about dark pools and uh, perhaps I think it would be helpful for listeners to kind of start at the, at, the, at the basics. And Travis, I thought maybe you could walk us through essentially what a dark pool is and how does it work? Yeah, sure, no, no problem. Um, so uh, specifically in Canada, um, a dark pool is really just a trading venue or a facility offered by an exchange uh, to allow you to post an order or order liquidity uh, without displaying it in the in the market data. So uh, so the order is out there; it's tradable mm-hmm. um, at that venue, but it's not necessarily detectable if you just look at the at, uh, like a level two, which is a mm-hmm. list of all the quotes that are available. Awesome. Yeah, there's no pre-trade information on, on any that's right. dark pools, so that's that's a key differentiator. Right, for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and you mentioned the Canadian market. Maybe you could just talk about both Canada and the U.S. in terms of um, the history of, of dark pools and, and why they exist and how they originated within our trading world. Mm-hmm. Well, I think uh, you know they they came around beginning of 2000, uh, beginning of 2000s, um, as a way to try and bring together liquidity. Uh, big large trades so that uh, you could match them up without causing market impact. So, you know, they started in Canada. I actually worked for one of the first dark pools in Canada. It was called Blockbook. And it was a different kind of dark pool. It was basically an order matching crossing system. And that's one of the different, there's different flavors of dark pools out there. And that's one particular Mm -hmm. flavor where they're trying to match orders on a a time basis. Um, And then they evolved. So I think Match Now was the next one that came out um, in Canada. Uh, it's a continuous dark pool where you know orders are put in buy side, sell side, and they're matched at the midpoint, um, which is the key part. So, um, so basically, I think a lot of them came out of the ATS um, regulations in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So exchanges um, sort of stayed away from the dark pools, and these ATSs run by broker dealers mm-hmm. um, began to fund, began to build their own dark pools to to facilitate a number of different actions. One was you know taking in their own uh, own order flow running into these dark pools, matching against client order flow um, that had all kinds of other benefits, things like you know cost savings, uh, building up market share, um, and the ability to do large trades without causing a market impact. Yeah. Key, key sort of concepts. For sure. But I think really sort of began early 2000s. Okay. So beginning the early 2000s, a lot of the broker-dealer kind of agency um, exchange areas, how many in Canada, if we were going to look at the dark pools that exist in Canada, how many would there be operating in our environment? So right now we have five proper dark pools, uh, you know, run by exchanges and ATSs. And then the exchanges have what, what's called, I guess, really great gray pools. So lit exchanges like the TSX mm-hmm. uh, or NASDAQ have what's called sort of a midpoint uh, midpoint functionality and that midpoint functionality is actually the, the dark 
side of things. So I guess we break break the dark pools into sort of two categories. They call them gray gray pools and dark pools. The gray okay. dark pools are proper, straight up. They don't. There's no lit trading, no pre trade information whatsoever. And then exchanges like the TSX Dark and various other ones have this this sort of midpoint functionality that you can put your orders in the same book. Great. Right. Maybe Travis, you could talk a little bit yeah. specifically. I mean, I know there are others. There's ITG, LiquidNet, like lo yeah. lots of other providers, as you said. Um, but perhaps you could talk specifically about the largest in Canada being TSX Dark. Uh, well, the largest is that correct? The largest in Canada <laughs> in terms of uh, well, it depends how you how you phrase it. Okay. The largest in Canada in terms of strictly uh, dark liquidity is actually uh, Match Now. Okay. Um, however, uh, Canada or sorry, TSX. Um, has a bit of uh, a bit of a differentiator when it comes to Match Now in that it's also integrated with our with our visible book, our lip book. So okay. that's what makes it, a, a, as Andrew quoted, a gray market. Mm -hmm. So in a way, it's integrated with the most uh, liquidity in Canada. In that you know it's it's integrated with TSX normal quotes, right? Which are by far the most liquid uh, for sure quotes in Canada. So uh, like uh, a a way to distinguish these two things is. Um, it's very possible for an order to, it's very possible you could see a TSX quote and think, okay, I, I'd like to, uh, you know, trade against that quote. Mm -hmm. And so you'd send an order to TSX to interact with that quote. Uh, but there would be a, a dark quote, a TSX dark order uh, sitting in front of it, say at the midpoint, willing to offer price improvement to interact against that order. Okay. And so that order that was intended for the lit book would get price improvement and trade against uh, what, what is in the TSX dark book. Right. So that's kind of kind of a way to distinguish. Whereas, with with something like Match Now, you'd have to target it specifically. You wouldn't know if it was there or not, but you would have to go and actively seek it. Okay. I think with the grays, you get more opt op, uh, optionality sure. when it comes to the trading. So your your ability to trade with uh, the displayed liquidity and also the hidden liquidity um, are big advantages when when trading in these quote unquote gray pools of liquidity, as opposed to strictly trading on a Match Now or a Liquinet that don't have that optionality. It's just, those are just uh, dark pools of liquidity that you don't have any information on other than the post trade. Right. Happens. So can you, and, and you know, maybe this is difficult to answer off the cuff, but can you give me a sense of what the average trading volume and value looks like in dark versus lit markets? I can give you, uh, I can give you a percentage of okay. market share. Sure. Thanks, Andrew. You know, yeah. I went through, I went through some of the numbers today, just, you know, looking at one of the difficulties we have is back up a little bit sure. is with the gray pools of liquidity is that because a lot of them are commingled with the with the regular um, lit trading, it's difficult to separate out what orders were filled in these dark pools. So TSX does a great job. They they mark the trades in the in the feed at the end of the at, uh, after the trade as a dark trade. So we do know that, but there are other marketplaces that don't do that. So it's very difficult to actually figure out what is the true the view market mm -hmm. share of of dark liquidity in Canada. Mm -hmm. But you know we can look at the straight marketplaces that offer dark liquidity, and that's you know the Match Now's, Liquinets, uh, CXD, Nat, uh, Neo D. Um, I'm missing one more ICX. ICX. And, uh, and that's about 7.2% of market share for, for Canada, for, for, for trading, all equity trading, okay. is handled by those, those five that are easily identified. Now, what else is happening within the gray pools is probably significant more. So I think the number is probably closer to 10, maybe 15%. I know in the US, it's, it's north of 20 to 20%, closing on 30% uh, of all trading is done in these dark liquidity pools. 
Right. Yeah, so just uh, if you take those five and add in TSX dark, yeah. you get to about 11%. Yeah, so yeah. probably yeah. pretty close, yeah. Yeah, and so that's that's eleven percent of the training in Canada is is going through these dark pools. Significant. Yep. Mm -hmm. And and can you talk a little bit about who's engaging most in this environment? Yeah. I mean, instinctually, you'd think institutional. Is that is that really the case these days? Well, I think uh, one of the ways to think about it is uh, who who's engaging passively and who's engaging actively because right. the the attraction is a little bit different for both parties. Mm -hmm. um, so, Tell me a little bit more about that. Well, for, from an active perspective, um, there's there's a lot of benefit in uh, in retail order flow, and, and in fact, if you if you look at the best execution uh, obligations of most retail desks, a big part of that is to reach out into the dark and seek price improving liquidity for their, all of the retail orders systematically, mm -hmm. um, because it's so beneficial for the for the retail uh, client in that they end up getting price improvement. Mm -hmm. Now, there's no obligation. Uh, in terms of uh, like OPR, which is which is uh, you know price uh, rules, um, order price protection rules, uh, to seek the dark. However, as part of your best execution policy, it's very common to reach out and try and and get a better price for your retail order flow um, in in these dark pools. Yeah, that's right. a very good point you made. You know, um, in the regulatory framework, uh, dark pools are excluded from from that. You know, required marketplace you have to go to. They're mm -hmm. they're not protected. So you know, as far as having to access them, mm -hmm. uh, you, as a broker dealer, we're not obligated to access them. But we're obligated from the standpoint of best execution, which is a whole different can of worms. Where you know you're trying to get liquidity. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, and, and really, yeah. best execution is is a moving target as far as what what, what that's concerned. Yeah. But I think really, when it comes down to dark pools, you know, the original intention of them mm -hmm. was to facilitate large trades. Right. And when you talk about large trades, ultimately it was directed at the institutional uh, business. Mm -hmm. Now, how can you trade 100,000 shares of a name and not move the stock? Ultimately, right. you put 100,000 shares of something out on the bid or offer of, of, uh, in a displayed market, you're going to impact, you're going to cause price impact, you're going to cause le information leakage, and that's going to impact the price of the stock. You put your the same order into a dark pool that doesn't display that, that information, that doesn't display size or price, what's out there. Mm -hmm. The opportunity to get that trade done without impacting the, the, the price of the stock is really the advantage from the standpoint of an institutional order. When it comes, yeah, and, for and, sure. and you know, as as these pools evolved, I think they began to say, well, look, you know, we can't just have institutional players. We got to let other people in. Let's figure out how we can accommodate the retail businesses. Well, if we have to accommodate retail business, well, let's let in some market makers because when when these dark pools first started, they were very selective as to who would participate in them. Right. The idea being is that you want to make sure that your counterparty is clean and 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 mostly like active portfolio managers, I would think. Yeah, and, well, usually and, large, you know, your your broker, yeah, times broker to broker, or mm -hmm. you know, your your money manager. So all mm -hmm. the guys that trade through through our electronic trading and institutional platform, you know, yeah. money managers, hedge funds, For all sure. these guys, you know, they have large positions they want to trade, and that sort of facilitated that allowed them to put these orders in um, without disclosing or tipping on their hat to the mm -hmm. rest of the market. Mm -hmm. um, so that's very useful. And the retail side, yeah, price improvement was a huge part of it. Right. So, you know, that's that's the other component, right? So, so we've talked a little bit about market impact and yeah. price improvement, both of which are really important. Mm -hmm. um, but we haven't really talked about transaction costs and how that uh, plays a, a role in the scenario at all with trading in, in dark. Sure. Um, well, I was going to say that's the third leg, right? Yeah. Essentially, yeah. that's the third leg. That's you know another reason why you trade in darks is there's a reduced cost to trading. Most exchanges, most dark venues will offer uh, some kind of reduced 
fee to trade on those on those platforms. Mm -hmm. So um, you're able to get trades done at a, at, a, at a cheaper rate. So from the standpoint of a broker dealer, it costs me less to trade on those marketplaces. Um, so I'm going to want to route more flow for that, sure. You know to, to hit those things. That's certainly another aspect of of why you know you're going to put your orders in these things. And then in, in terms of the public, though, I, I, I mean, um, you know, we hear all the time the lack of transparency and, and the sort of the fear um, that some uh, investors have about what's happening in the unlit market. Can you talk a little bit about what you perceive, if any, for there to be disadvantages with, with this type of trading? Well, I mean, the name doesn't do it any justice. Right. <laughs> right. The big problem is, you know, we have these sort of the, the name dark pool implies mm -hmm. something untoward, you know, it's hidden, it's, it's sinister, you know, and, and, you know, there's, there's, there's precedent. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's been some shenanigans that, you know, certainly there's a long yeah. list of, of, of pools that have violated, um, you know, whether it's violated codes of conduct where information is being leaked or, you know, the worst case scenario where you've got a broker dealer running a dark pool and, on the other side, they're running a prop trading strategy that can see inside it. So right. the concerns are around because yeah. there's no transparency. Mm -hmm. You know, how how do you know that there's not some information being leaked in another way that that is getting out there, right? So that's always a uh, concern. So sure, and IROCs all over that. IROCs all over this. There's rules now yeah. that are in place to ensure that you know that there's that these things are locked down. But certainly transparency. The the very reason why you use a dark pool to, to sort of hide your intentions is also mm -hmm. one of the, the one of the, the issues, the, the concerns that uh, is on the other side. That the lack of transparency and seeing what's going on creates that. Yeah, and I, I think I would add to that. I think there's also been a little bit of. Um, sort of conflating the American model and the Canadian model right uh, which I, I think they are quite separate uh, and should be and should thought should be should thought be of as separate. Way, yeah. yeah exactly uh, in that um, in 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 the south uh, these dark pools can be run by broker dealers uh, they, they there's not a lot of regulation over who uh, who can can set up a, a dark pool and start matching orders mm -hmm. whereas in Canada that's um, this that's activity strictly um, Isolated to the exchanges and ATSs. Mm -hmm. So, uh, when it comes it's to important post, to note that, yeah. Well, well. I mean, that's so, so much true and not true, right? <laughs> like, I mean, when you talk about the conflicts of interest, is yeah. what you're sort of alluding to. You know, Canada, our dark pools are owned by broker dealers in some sense. You know, you talk about the ownership structure of, of the TSX. You talk about the ownership structure of Equitas or or Match Now, for example, which is run mm -hmm. by you know Virtu. Mm -hmm. These are all they're they're all sort of there is there is that sort of notion that mm -hmm. certainly but uh, but in terms of like post trade transparency for example mm -hmm. um, you know you're going to see a print from the venue with all the information that we yeah, typically see sure. on, on a print uh, they're pretty much as transparent from a post trade perspective as mm -hmm. as any lit yeah uh, yeah post trade for sure right and oh sorry go ahead oh no oh it's just I was just going to uh, not to cut you off I was just going to say it's interesting because we recently hosted. Um, a roundtable, a venture exchange roundtable, and uh, dark pools consumed so much of the conversation. And it was really interesting because some companies raised concerns about the potential to erode investor confidence. Obviously, they're concerned about investor confidence um, in the pre-trade transparency. And then others saw so many benefits, right? So th th there's this duality that exists depending on which side you're, you're sort of, which camp you're on. And I was just gonna say to our listeners, if they're interested in hearing or, or reading that roundtable, uh, we did a white paper and it's posted on tsx.com. Um, it gets into some of the stuff that you were that you were mentioning. 
Yeah, but I didn't want to cut you off. You were you were saying, oh, uh, nothing. Just that. Yeah. Um, just that being sort of under the umbrella of an exchange or an ATS, yeah. it it, it mm-hmm. brings upon a lot more stringent mm-hmm. rules than than you might see in the in in the. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're all regulated. They're all regulated marketplaces, right? And I think that's the term that we we use in this case. You know, regulated. You're you're overseen by a regulatory body. In this case, the OSC and then IROC. Mm-hmm. Um, they they oversee that and they have a list of rules and regulations in place to to ensure that you know these things are operating the u.s is a little different they have regulations too mm-hmm. but there's such a huge i mean there's like you know over 30 dark pools um ats's that, that that are down there so it's a much bigger environment i think canada we're, we're much more contained um and with that i think we have a, a much cleaner experience here um you know we, we understand our market structure a lot better it's a lot less complicated yeah, and for posting post trade, right? Uh, in terms of issuers or investors seeing that data, yep. where do you recommend they uh, source? So, th- I mean, that's one of the great things about Canada is that yeah. um, it will be sourced along with the rest of your market data. So, for example, if you see a trade that's posted on Match Now, then you know for sure that that was a dark trade because that venue is wholly devoted to to dark trading, right? Okay. Um, so, you get your marketplace statistics from you know whatever whoever your market data provider platform is. Uh, mm-hmm. And it, it it will just naturally include all of the dark venues and, and their statistics. Um, when it comes to uh, TSX dark, for example, we uh, we tag every dark trade as dark, uh, and so all of the market data providers also have the ability to isolate those dark tradings and, and present them to you, to the to the issuer as well. Which is great. And them. then every issuer on TSX and TSX fee has access to InfoSuite, TSX InfoSuite, which we. Um, you know, give lots of tutorials to our clients about. And of course, they can see the consolidated uh, information there as well through some of the reports that we run. Um, that's great. I, I know there's been a, a recent uh, announcement this summer from IROC about small orders. Um, do either of you want to comment on on, on that and, and any impact there? I think it's, uh, it's a positive yeah. announcement. Um, yeah. It's kind of a bit, closes a bit of a loophole mm-hmm. that's been mm-hmm. around for a bit. Uh, the old rule, the current rule, uh, is that a small size order uh, is any order that is under 50 board lots and under $100,000, um, which covers a lot of ground. Now, the, the way that large orders are treated is a little bit different than small orders in that you can hold them and you can sort of work them and, uh, and most notably, you can uh, print them without price improvement. What you see um, on, under the current rule is uh, very low price securities, like under ten cents. Okay. Um, it's it's very easy to eat, to reach that fifty uh, board lot threshold, mm-hmm. um, where the value still may be very low. So uh, in the future, I think February fifth, two thousand twenty, yep. uh, that rule is changing, where a small order has to be uh, under fifty board lots and uh, $30,000. Okay. So, uh, so that really just makes it so that uh, those very low value but high volume orders, right? Uh, they no longer apply and, and they no longer qualify for that loophole. So that's, that's just closes a bit of a hole there. Yeah. Which, which I think is a key, a key point because, you know, one of the evolutions of the dark trading is, you know, at first it was only a midpoint. You know, that was when, when you put your orders in, you get your trade done and you're in, in midpoint referring to the, the mid price between the bid and offer of the national, national best bid and offer. We've now got facilities and functionality like Travis alluded to um, that allow us to trade at the touch. So at the, you know, without any price improvement or at minimum price improvement. So you can trade anywhere within the spread 
mm -hmm. uh, within the dark. So we've now opened up dark trading to much more than just price improvement, mid price, midpoint. Uh, we can trade anywhere within that spread uh, in the dark in, the, in these dark markets, which um, and depending on the size of your order, it's a lot more uh, flexible. It's a lot more flexible, and so there's a lot more things we can do with it. And certainly, when it comes to you know the business I operate and how we interact with marketplaces. You know, we want to make sure we leverage every one of those pieces of functionality so we can maximize our exposure into these into these pools of liquidity. And that's what right. we're talking about. That's what about you're here. providing really. Right. So we talked a little bit about the evolution, certainly some improvements of late. Um, where do you think the trend is going both maybe in Canada and then Andrew given your perspective of knowing the US capital markets as well. Uh, where do you think you think we're gonna see more um, in in this area? Well, I think, you know, certainly in Canada, I think we're, I'd like to think we're kind of maxing out here. I mean, we you have do. a, we yeah. have a limit on liquidity. I mean, at the end of right. the day, what we're talking about is fragmenting the marketplace further. Right. And I think that we have this limited amount of liquidity and the more we spread it across different markets, the, the, the less benefit we give to our clients. So we're probably maxing out right now as far as the, the, the new entrants in, the, in, in, in our market structure. So I think the, the, the growth of the different pools is probably gonna, is probably you know, plateauing, but the activity in the pool is a different story. So how we're using these dark pool, how we're you know, accessing this liquidity is only gonna get uh, more profound. Where you know, liquidity is shifting, there's a lot of liquidity shifting from these uh, traditional uh, lit markets to mm -hmm. places like you know the dark pools or the the end of day the, the market on close facility yeah, on you know liquidity is moving towards the end of the day it's moving to hidden places mm -hmm. and i think i don't see that trend going away i see right. it just becoming more and more so and the u.s is a different story u.s is you know they've got a massive market um you know there's regulations a lot dark pools are shutting down some dark pools are shutting down now but it doesn't mean that more won't come up and i think and you know we're all looking for more innovative ways to to trade down there and i think they're they're going to sort of continue to come up with new uh, new market new marketplaces um, yeah. more so than us. But I think I'd like to think at the end of the day that we're sort of at our you know at a nice place here, and that we're just yeah. now going to maximize what we currently have um, instead of trying to add more complexity to our already complex, overly complex market structure for for the the market share that Canada you know possesses. Warrants. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for <laughs> sure. And at least we're improving right within yeah. that construct. So. Um, it's nice to see that enhanced liquidity coming with some flexibility mm -hmm. too for uh, for people like you. Yeah. Any any final thoughts on, on where you think the evolution will go? Do you feel similarly? I, I do. Yeah. I do feel similar. I I, I agree um, that I think it would be hard to imagine a lot of new entrances. Um, but um, but the one of the nice things is the dark pool is a really great way to provide solutions for 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 clients. It's great. There's a lot of value in it for for retail. There's a lot of Opportunity to print, um, you know, big trades without without a lot of market impact. There's a ton of, um, I think there's a ton of innovation mm -hmm. that, that can still be brought to this mm -hmm. uh, to this field, and we're still seeing new things all the time. Conditional orders are starting yeah. to pick up, and it's uh, you know, Simo Plus. Right. There's a lot of a lot of very interesting innovations that are happening specifically in this space, and we still are seeing volumes grow. Yeah. Um, and so I, for me, it's it's you know, it's still an exciting uh, arena, and I think yeah. uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of opportunity to provide value to to our end, end users within this space.
Well, I just I want to thank you both so much for joining us today and shedding light on some of the uh, questions that I know many of our clients and issuers have had about dark pools and about trading, certainly not the sinister world mm -hmm. um, that I think many think it is. And it is adding to market improvement and, and liquidity and price improvements. So um, happy to get this message out there. And I thank you both for your time and hope we can chat with you again. Thank you very much for having us. Thanks, Thanks. for having me.